Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We're so glad you're here with us today. Aren't you grateful for a God that loves you? Come on, man. It is so good to be loved by God and to live in freedom. So, so very grateful. Welcome our campuses, Meadville, Newcastle. We love you. Those with us online, Cranberry, give them a great welcome today, would you? We love you all so much. You know, you hear us say so much about the love of God. This church exists to help all people. Everyone say it out loud, all people. Doesn't matter. You love God, hate God. He, listen, he loves you. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. This church exists to help all people realize God loves them unconditionally. And we talk again and again, and we just recently did about the four desires that God has for every human being. The first, of course, that they would know God and then find freedom and then discover purpose and then make an impact with your life. If you live those four things in your life, you will live a fulfilled life. We're talking about small groups today, and I want to help you to understand that small groups are where you will find Freedom. Now, why is that? I don't mean just freedom from one area of your life. You, I want you to see today how desperately you need other people if you're truly going to live in the freedom that Jesus purchased for you. And I want to just take you into three reasons why you need, not should be, not feel religiously burdened, but that you need to be in a small group. Three reasons why every Christian should be in a small group. Now, here's the first one. You will grow spiritually. Say it out loud, spiritual growth. It's so important that you understand how critical that is. Let me take you to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 14. The Bible says that we be no longer infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, We will in all things grow up. Say it out loud, grow up. That we will grow up into Jesus, not religion, into Jesus, who is the head of the church. From him, the whole body, the whole body, every part of you, anyone who's made Jesus the Lord of their life, Jesus set you into the body of Christ. You are part of his very own body as it pleased him. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament And it will grow and build itself up in love as each part does its work. Most people, most Christians, they may even be Christians for a a few years, even decades. But spiritually speaking, they never mature. They stay in the babyhood stage of Christianity. The Bible tells us that when somebody gives their life to Christ, they're a newborn baby in Christ. And in fact, first Peter said that as a newborn babe, as a person coming into Christ, he said, desire something, desire the sincere milk of his word. So listen, so you might grow by it. Spiritual growth is critical. And here's some of the reasons, because like an infant, you can't survive on your own. God gives us analogies for a reason. Nobody brings a baby home from the hospital and said, listen, we've done our part. I just watch it. I watch what your mother did. I'm telling you, man, unbelievable what she just did for you. I just want you to know that. And I was there for all three, but, and I got yelled at one time, just so you know, by the nurse. Because I'm standing over there and I'm just, I, I, I'm just doing, you know, what husbands do. Baby. And Michelle just says, honey, could you just stop? 
I said, oh, sure. And I, go, I went over by the wall. And then she did something I didn't ask her to do. She's, she's, in, you know, she's having contractions. She leaves. She, oh, honey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk to you that way. And, and the nurse went, what is wrong with you? I said, hey, lady, I'm just standing here. I'm doing my best. It was a little bit crazy. You don't bring that baby home and say, okay, no, listen, you're on your own. Because babies left to themselves will die. You need other people. Like an infant, if you don't grow up, you'll never be strong enough to live your purpose. Can I tell you something about children? They don't add, they subtract. What do I mean by that? I don't mean that there's subtraction in their value, but kids don't pay bills. Kids make bills. Anybody find out having a kid? That's some serious expense, boy. And I'm, I'm telling I've never seen a five-year-old show up and say, here's my part of the mortgage. That's not how it works. Spiritual children, like literal children, they just make demands. They never really look to any, they never serve anybody. They never think about anybody. It's mine, 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 me, 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 my four, no more. And so it's so easy to get stuck and, and be spiritually immature. I'm going to help you to see how small groups will help you grow spiritually because you cannot grow. You cannot grow without being joined and held together by the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. Get this, please. When you gave your life to Christ and he, and he made you brand new, you became a child of God Literally, as the scripture said, you are born again by the spirit of God. God didn't just deal with your sin and erase your sin and just make you a, a servant that's forgiven. He called you his very own. He brought you into his family. In fact, the scripture said that Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother or sister. And he made you a part of his very own body. Now, my body, every part is dependent on the other. It's so with the body of Christ. My body has a function to do, but my body won't survive without some key parts of it. My heart is really important. And if it decides to say, not a big deal, the whole body dies. Same with the liver and same with the, you just go down the line. Until you recognize that God put you into a body, you'll never, ever, ever, ever understand the critical nature. Now in your human body, you presume that. But God's word is trying to help you to see that if you're going to grow up spiritually, you cannot do it without being held together and supported by other people living everyday life with you. And that has to be intentional. Here's the second thing. You cannot grow spiritually alone. Let me say it again. You cannot grow spiritually alone. You say, well, I, I'm, I'm, I've never really gotten involved with a lot of people, and I think I've grown spiritually. Yeah, but, but you don't grow normally. A lot of people grow in a certain area of their life, but they're, but they're underdeveloped in another. It's critical that you interact with the whole body because you cannot, you cannot grow spiritually by yourself. Look what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I think he could have written that right after COVID. It's not a criticism. 
See, most people, when they hear God's word, they see it as a weapon of what I have to do or God will be angry at me. Remember this about God. He said, I've never told you anything in the Old Testament, he said, except for your good only. Anybody a parent? How many of you have ever said this to your kids? Honey, I am telling you this for your own good. How many of your kids ever looked at you and went, yeah, right. <laughs> then you go do it. If it's that much help, you go do it. I don't need it. Honey, I, 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 look, you're going to be grounded, but it's for your own good. Then ground yourself and you do good to you. Notice, listen to what he said. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. Now listen now. And all the more. And I put into this, my, these are my own words, make a new habit. And gather together all the more as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Isn't it interesting that I think anybody with any, who has any understanding of the Bible, people say, are we in the end times? Well, here's what I know. We're closer to the end than we were yesterday. Uh, that I can guarantee you. He said, but as the signs of the time begin to look like that the, it, it, that the, the, the Christ, the Christ's return is imminent, he said, make sure you get together the more so and encourage one another. And isn't it interesting? It's the very thing Christians are tempted not to do in this hour. Where do you think that comes from? What kingdom do you think inspires people to not gather together in the darkest hours of their life? It's not because they're lazy or bored. It's because they, they've never been persuaded in their heart that God has called you. In fact, he has given us the privilege. He said, if you don't meet together and make it a habit, everyone say a habit. How many of you have some good habits? Yes, or not as many hands. How many have some bad habits? How many of you have bad habits regarding food? Now, there are some of you, you know, you uh, never eat. Uh, uh, yeah, we love you. God bless you. Leave us alone. <laughs> and there's always that person that like, I just can't gain weight. I try to eat everything. And, I, and it's like, yeah, we hate you. <laughs> so don't ever say that around us, okay? We shouldn't hate. Okay, we just, I just trust God that you'll be so uncomfortably fat for about a thousand years in heaven and your robe is just so tight that when we're all just, just having fun at the marriage supper of the lamb, you're going to be like, I just can't, I, I can't right now. So you're bitter. Well, pray for me. It's, it's true. It's okay. Very few Christians in this hour have made it a habit of meeting together. So what do you mean by that? We value things more than what God says will benefit my life. It's easy to do. Most people make a habit of going to work. And so you would like to go. How many of you made a habit of going to your job? That means you get up and you go when it's, I don't want to go. I, I don't even like what we're doing today, I, but I have a habit of going. How many of your kids, have, you made them have a habit of going to school? How many of your kids, like me, would have never went I told Michelle, I said, man, if COVID happened when our kids were little, they'd have missed an entire year everything. I said, why would they? Because you say, how, could, wouldn't you have helped them? Nope. Why? I'm worthless. I couldn't do it. Michelle would have tried, but our kids would have really suffered. We'd have probably had to bring them over to someone else's house or something. I said, well, you guys should be sharper than that. Well, we're not. Here's the thing. I love this statement by John Maxwell. He said, habits or effort has to be stored up before they show up. 
Habits or effort has to be stored up before it shows up. He also said this, that there's a compounding impact to following Jesus or having habits of obedience. It compounds, but it takes time. It takes time. And so over time, as you stay in the environments that God said will grow you and make you whole and well, there's a compounding effect. Many people are praying to receive what obedience would produce. And I want to encourage you to understand that a small group is not a burden. So I'm, not, I'm not built for that kind of stuff. You know, I have to be honest with you. That's how I felt for years. But Ecclesiastes 4.10 says this. If a person falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. You need intimate relationships that are godly. In fact, you don't need them as like kind of a spiritual religious requirement. You need them to live a full life. Years ago, uh, the small group I was in lasted 20 years. We did it nine months of the year. Once once we met once a month for over 20 years. And it was uh, the late Jay Passivant started it. And it was a group of pastors in the North Hills. And, uh, and we'd meet together. We got to be, we still are. The, 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 those that are still on earth here are uh, just, we're just great friends. And uh, I, I had an issue come up. And we'd just, you know, get together, pray for each other, talk about what we might be dealing with. And, uh, and I, was, I remember like it was yesterday because it was not a pleasant time for me. There was a person that was psychologically disturbed that began to stalk me and began to make up things that weren't true, that we had a relationship. And, and I mean, put I mean, crazy things about me that weren't, I mean, when I say they weren't true, I mean, there was no semblance of truth. But, but I'm starting to think, well, wait a minute, people don't get to see your diagnosis when they hear this stuff. She was, this person was going into bathrooms around the Cranberry writing, John Nuzo is an adulterer. And I'm, I, I'm like, this is just crazy, this is wrong. I'm wanting to go Godfather. <laughs> hey, I, anybody human? Anybody ever get mad when somebody does something blatant? I mean, there's not even a shred of... I mean, that, that'll tick you off. Anybody ever have the spirit ticked off? Come on, them. And I'm in the meeting. I said, guys, would you, man, just be praying for me. This is crazy. And everyone, yeah, John, you know, sorry you're going through that. Then one of my friends in the small group, he said... Uh, John, I thought you believed the Bible. I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, do you remember Jesus? I said, yeah, I remember him. <laughs> he said, if you serve him, that men and women will speak all manner of evil against you. And you know what he told you to do when it happens? He said, rejoice that you're counted worthy to suffer shame for his namesake. And I went, shut up. Let me tell you, that man helped turn me from getting anger. Anger moves to bitterness very quickly because was, there was so much inequity in it that you just, I mean, you just, like, this is wrong. And it, it, it took about three or four months of doing what God's word said. And, and, but if I didn't have those men in my life, and I can't tell you how, I can promise you this, I would have never, Michelle and I would have never sustained the path that God had for us if we didn't have other people intimately in our lives. You will not do it. 
And can I tell you this? The, the higher degree of responsibility you have, the more you'll be isolated. The busier you are, the more you'll think it's appropriate to be isolated. The, the higher you are in authority in a given whatever, you will become isolated. And you'll begin to think that that's just the way it is. And it shouldn't be. If I have one regret looking back, is that I didn't do more of it. If I could have went back, I think, well, how many more things could have been helped in my life had I had people around me? And I had people around me, but I'm talking about relationships. Small groups give you that opportunity. It's critically important. You heard the host at whatever campus you're at. Really encourage you to, if you've never gone through what we call freedom, to go through it. It's 13 weeks. It's a commitment. And at the 13th week, there's a, a Friday and a Saturday retreat. And I can tell you this, don't, go, don't do freedom unless you can come to the retreat. It's 50% of the value. And what happens on that Friday and Saturday, and it's happened for over 3,000 people, I don't know how to exaggerate to you. Some, you can spend 10,000 hours in front of a counselor. And, and counsel, I believe in godly counseling. Fully. But no human being can ever do for you what God can do. And it, it, it is such an amazing process to go with people and to walk with them. Now, I want to encourage you, if you've gone through freedom in the past, lead a freedom group. And do it in your, where, close to where you live, in your home or somewhere that's, that's nearby. Do it where people that live around you can be a part of it. Let God use you to bring freedom into others' lives. Once you do it, you'll be hooked. You'll never go back. If, you've, if, if, if you haven't gone through freedom yet, and there are hundreds of, and hundreds of people at Victory that have yet to do it, I, 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 that, I'd love that to be your starting point. And if you haven't gone through it for years, and I've been through it three or four times. I told you before, Michelle went through it, I think she's been through it six. Like I told you, she needed it more than me. No, no, she just led more groups. Seriously. I, I, if you haven't been through freedom in three or four years, do it again but lead a group. But we, we've also developed another small group called Unconditional. It's about the love of God. And I do three teachings throughout it. It's an eight-week small group, and there's a workbook that's been written along the teachings to help you understand the love of the Father for you. The hardest thing you'll ever believe, you'll ever believe, is that God loves you. And if you'll do that together with people, it will build something in you that will bring a sense of freedom to you and a level of freedom that you can gain in no other way. At all of our campuses, there are places where you can go get information at all the different information centers. There are QR codes at all of our campuses. If you're a Cranberry, it's on the seat in front of you. Scan it, and you can click to lead a small group, or you can go on it into and and, and how to join a small group. All of the small groups are open for you right now to join. There'll be more coming online. I want to encourage every one of you to do it. Now, here's the third one. And it's going to sound pretty weird, but give me a minute. Living behind the curtain together. Let me say it again. Living behind the curtain together. Now, over here is what looks like a curtain. But I want to kind of give you an example of what this represents. What I'm trying to help you to see today is that in the Old Testament, there was a form of worship that was done in the tabernacle. And in the, in this, let's just say, think of a building that has a big old curtain in it. And on this side of the curtain, all the priests would serve. But on that side 
On the other side was the Ark of the Covenant where God chose to let his presence dwell and no one could go behind that curtain. Only once a year the high priest could go and he would have to take the blood of a spotless lamb. Does it sound familiar? And he would offer up that that innocent blood for the sins of the people to be covered. And that curtain was six inches thick. And the Bible said as long as that curtain stood, it represented something. That the way for man to get back into the presence of God was not yet available to man. There was no way back. Sin had stained me, sin had stained you, and there was no way back into the presence of God. But I want you to see that Jesus did something about this curtain when he hung on the cross. Many of you may have missed this in the Bible. Let me read it to you. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, this is right when Jesus dies on the cross. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that very moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Everybody say top to bottom. You're talking about 20, 25 feet high, six inches thick of, of, of different types of fabric. The minute Jesus died, an angel went in and ripped that thing in half from top to bottom. And then the earth shook and the rocks split. Why? Because Jesus was to pay the price for the sin of the world. And when he died on that cross, when he hung on that cross for your sin and my sin, and when he died in my place in your place, that veil that had separated man from his God's presence because of the sin of the world, and, and none of us could pay our own debt, that when he, the moment he died on a cross, there was an angel ready, and he tore that veil in two. And the Bible said, now signifying that the way into the presence of God was now available for everybody. Jesus has made you, has made me a son and a daughter. I want to encourage you to stop living like you don't have access. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't just forgive your sins. When you gave your life to Christ, he made you brand new. I mean like sin never existed before. And he literally made you a child of the living God. Where you belong to him. And he gave you direct access to his presence. Everybody say direct access. This is so important. Stop acting like you don't have direct access to God's presence if you've given your life to Jesus. Now, let me get to small groups. Here's the strength of small groups. The strength of small groups is not just getting together in a circle. These chairs represent folks in a small group. Now, the strength of a small group isn't just everybody coming around and kumbaya. Y'all know kumbaya? And we just talk and we tell each other and I feel so bad. You feel so bad? I feel so bad. You feel good? I'll pray for, pray for me. Y'all pray, y'all pray. And people pray. So that sounds, are you putting down prayer? No, 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 no. But I'm telling you that if that's all a small group is for you, it's going to hurt you. The strength of small groups, I'm telling you, is not just being together. Because here's the reality. Most Christians, because of their ignorance of what Jesus did on that cross, are trying to win a battle that Jesus has already won. They're trying to receive or ask God, if you will, to give them something that already belongs to them as a child of God. The average Christian believes that when you pray and ask God for something, that's the moment he decides whether he'll give it to you or not. 
I've heard people say, well, the Lord always answers prayer. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. That sounds so good, but it's not in the Bible. You'd just, be as, you'd just as well be off to go, Mary had a little lamb, her fleece was white as snow. Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah. Everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go, amen. It would make no much more, it would make any more difference than what you just prayed. If you think God is going to decide what he's going to do for you, when you ask him, you've missed this by a thousand miles. And I want to show you how small groups will help you get on the other side of this. See, Christians believe that God can do anything, but they rarely believe that God has already done everything. They don't see the work of Christ in the past tense. And I want to help you to see that today. You will find freedom when you discover that what Jesus has done for you is a finished and accomplished fact. It's in the past. It's already done. It already belongs to you. There's an inheritance that's already yours. Not because you've earned it, not because you've been good enough, but because you belong to him. It's already yours. Say it out loud. It's already mine. Please remember this. What pleases God the most is to be trusted. Nothing brings our heavenly father more, more pleasure than when his children trust him. And here's why. Because to be able to have faith in God, you have to believe he loves you. That's why in Galatians it said your faith will work by the love of God in you. Because it demands with all that you feel, all that you see, all that you hear, all that you've experienced in life. It demands that you believe his love so, so desperately, so, so overwhelmingly that you trust his love. He paid an enormous debt for you. Now, let me give you an example. This is, well, well this is years and years ago, probably early, early, early 80s. How many of you remember when the, when, the, when the speed limit was 55 because there was an oil shortage? For those of you who don't know, back in the 70s, we were running out of oil on the planet. It was going to all go away, so we had to drive 55. Somehow they found a whole mess of it. I don't know where they found it. <laughs> Remember, you live in a world that tells you and lives by shortage and fear for one reason, to govern you. doesn't mean some of it isn't true. Obviously, there'll be some things that are obvious and true. But it has nothing to do with your welfare. Please remember that. Human beings, governmental entities rarely do anything for your benefit. I don't care what party they are. I don't have time to go into it, but Jesus said the very same thing. No, he really did. Well, I better tell you. He said, those in authority among the world will exercise dominion over their subjects. And while they do it, they'll call you, they'll call themselves your benefactor. I'm doing this for you. Aren't I wonderful while I ruin your life? Okay, that wasn't political. Jesus said it. Say, so it is political. Well, talk to Jesus. No, I'm talking, oh, oh it's, it's, gen, it's, it's human nature. Well, we're driving back, my brother and I, from southern West Virginia. So my oldest brother, we had exiled him to southern West Virginia. And, uh, you, you know, it's almost heaven, West Virginia, because it's next door to Pennsylvania. And, uh, and so he's living in southern West Virginia. I was visiting him. And my, my grandfather passed away. So we're, we, have to come, we have to come up. It's about a three and a half hour drive. Well, we're driving on Interstate 70 in Ohio and I'm speeding. And back then it was 55 miles an hour and I was going 85. 
you don't want me to lie to you. I was going 85. And you know, my grandfather's dead. We're trying to get home. I, I thought it was, you know, now, but I, I get pulled over by the state police. And he says, because you're going 30 miles over the speed limit, you have to pay this now so we'll take you into this town nearby. So I follow the, the policeman in. I get out. And, and now this is before ATM machines. My brother, all he has, I don't have any cash on me. And all he has is his checkbook. And they put me in this little holding cell, little, little jail cell. Kind of like, you know, just hanging out there all by myself. And my brother, I could see him on the other side over past this wall. And he's looking at me. And, he, and only, only people with brothers get this. He said, hey, I, I'm going to go. I don't have any cash, man. I'll, after, after we bury Papa, I'll come back and get you. I said, Mom, will make you come back, man. Don't leave. So he went into town on a Saturday morning, and he's trying to cash a check. Now, you know how hard it is to cash a check when you tell people you need it to get someone out of jail? <laughs> and no one will cash his check. And he really is going to have to continue the drive a couple hours and maybe come back and get me. If my mother would make him otherwise, he'd leave me there till he came back. And he said, I, I went everywhere I could. No one would let me do it. And all of a sudden, it hit me in my wallet. I had tucked away a hundred dollar bill. I, oh my gosh, I have a hundred. And he, and he pulled out his wallet and he had tucked it in there and had forgotten all about it. He came back in, he had the hundred dollar bill. He paid my fine and they let me out of jail. I promised to pay him back and I never did. Anybody have brothers? Never paid him back. But here's what I want you to understand. Here's the principle. He had it all the time. I was stuck in a, in a jail cell when he had the way to get me out. It all, listen now, it already belonged to him. Listen to me. It already belonged to him. He just didn't know he had it. So he was out seeking a way to get something he already had. Let me help you understand about small groups, how that actually works, okay? Now, let me take you over here to understand this veil. Let's presume this is a small group of people. All right, and we're all gathering together. And, and, and the, the most dangerous thing for a believer to do is to live in the shadows of, of the presence of God when you're called to live right in the light. And so we're in our small group and these are things people pray. You'll hear it prayed all the time. Maybe you've prayed it. Lord be with us as we go today. Sounds good. And, and we're getting together and we're about to go. And so we go over to a veil that's already torn down and we just, we just peer it out. Can we have a little light? Would you be with us as we go? And you know what he said in his word? I will never leave you or forsake you. What would it sound like to God? No, Lord be with us. He said, I'm never leaving you. Do you think I was joking? I'll never, everyone say never. I'll never leave you. Never leave you, forsake you. Don't ever pray again, Lord be with me. He's in you. You're the temple of the living God. Y'all read the Bible? So well, that's not very important. It's absolutely important. And I'm going to bring it into the context of small groups and show you why it's so important that we do it together. How about this? Lord, would you please bless us? Bless me, Lord. Bless me. Please bless me. Lord, 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 could you just, could you just let a little light out and bless me? And you know what the book of Ephesians says? You have been blessed already, past tense, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It already belongs to you. 
Do you know how to appropriate it by faith? I'm getting back to small groups in a minute. I just want to take you down the line. Lord, would you redeem this situation? Lord, redeem my life. Oh, Jesus, without you. If you don't show up, Lord, we're doomed. He's going to say, I did show up. And you're not doomed. Lord, if you just would redeem, give me just a little light, please. And yet my Bible tells me that you have, past tense, been redeemed by his blood. Say it out loud, I am redeemed. Say, he'll never leave me or forsake me. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's all in the Bible. These are facts in the Bible. I have redemption through his blood. Say it out loud. How about this one? Oh, Lord, give us strength. Oh, give us strength. Oh, Jesus, give us strength. Just a little. Just a little. Bring it, bring it. In our small group, Lord, we need your strength. We need, Lord, send your power. Lord, send your strength. It all sounds good. And yet, if you read your Bible, it says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And it will quicken, animate, and give life to your mortal body. He said, the, the, your inheritance in the, in the book of Ephesians, he said, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. The, the level of, of strength exerted in the power of God to raise Christ from the dead is available. It's yours. It belongs to you in the family. Why am I doing this? Because getting together in a group without learning, doing it around truth of what God says about you actually can get you further in the dark. I'm not minimizing we shouldn't pray for one another. We just, just shouldn't pray in contradiction to the word of God. Lord, oh Lord, I'm just praying that the Lord will set us free. Jesus, come and set us free. Come and set us free. Just a little bite. Let me live in just a little bit of the shadows. But the script Jesus said, to whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You're already free. How do I walk in light of it? Boy, I'm going to get to it in a minute. This is why small groups are so crazy important. Lord, if you would just send your healing power, Lord, send your healing. Lord, we need healing, Lord. Lord, if you'd like to, just if you don't, it's okay. But Lord, we just, just a little. He said in First, First, First Peter 2.24, with his stripes, you were healed. I already paid this for you. The most difficult thing you'll learn to do as a believer is to walk by faith and not by sight. To humble yourself to the circumstances of life and say, let God be true and every man a liar. Oh God, please lift my life. Lord, please, please lift us. Lord, lift us as we go without you. But you know what the Bible says about you and me in Ephesians? It said, and he raised you. Listen, not he didn't lift you. He said he raised you from the dead when he raised Christ from the dead. And he didn't stop there. He said, and I set you at my, I set Jesus at my, own right hand in the heavenly places and then he said this and you are seated together with him far above principalities and power demonic influence and might every every name that's ever going to be named on the earth in this world and even the age to come he said it's under his dominion so why am i saying this about small groups small groups help us believe the truth together the truth that makes us free Remember this, Jesus said the truth you believe will make you free. The lies you believe will imprison you. If you think you're going to win this battle on your own with all the circumstances that I face and you face in life, 
and all of the things that you feel and all of the, the weight of the world that comes upon us in this broken world that we live. I'm telling you, you're going to need people that could come alongside you when you start going into that world of like, this, I just don't see any way out. And they say, whoa, 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 whoa. He'll never leave you or forsake you. No weapon formed against you can prosper. We're going to believe God. We're going to speak life over you. We are going to speak life over you. Let God be true and every man a liar. You are the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. We are going to stand together. See, small groups are not when people see through you, but when they see you through. It isn't that you go into these groups and pretend. It's just the opposite. He said, in fact, confess your faults one to another in the book of James so that you can be healed. Because Jesus didn't, when he died, he didn't make a crack in the curtain. He literally came and an angel ripped it off completely. He tore the thing and the thing was brought to the ground. And literally, the way into the presence of God is available to every child of God. It's access to you right now. That's who you are right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. It belongs to you. Why are small groups so important? If you think you're going to win this battle without the strength of the body of Christ, you're greatly deceived. And I'm talking to you about the power of God in your life, receiving from God in such a way in a world that's so desperately broken where you get to walk in the power of God and you fight the good fight of faith and you lay hold on eternal life to which you've been called. Let me read a scripture to you as we, as we wind this down today. It's my hope that every one of us today can understand that being in a small group isn't some religious obligation. It's a place of freedom. It's a place where you find freedom. And it's a place when everything around me feels like it's broken. The people won't give up on me. They don't have to come and put on a show and a pretend life that I can come just as I am and trust the people around me that they're not there to put me down. There's a, there's, there's a pit of hell for that. There's a, a world full of people. Do you realize the cancel culture is nothing more than a reflection of hell for people? It's not, don't, don't blame any humans for it. It's hell manifest in the earth. Cancel you cancel you can't you you're done you're done you're done can i tell you something about god you ain't done till he says you're done and he said i'll never leave you or i'll never forsake you as far as the east is from the west it's how far i'll remove your sin from you you're going to face some things in life that if you don't have a small group of people around you that you can trust who can pray for you that you would be healed now let me finish it up with this healed just doesn't mean your body you are never going to experience the fullness of restoration in your soul until you receive love and acceptance from human beings in the place that you're most ashamed of and most broken. Doesn't mean you have to go in a small group and tell all your secrets. That's not what that's about. But it's that you don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to put on a show. Because we fight through life together. We're members of the body. Finally, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. Listen now, let's presume that this light is the presence of God, the throne of grace. He said, let us come boldly. Everyone say boldly. Boldly, not timidly, not, oh, Lord, Lord, I just, Lord, I'm so sorry. Maybe, just maybe somehow if I could, if I, I haven't prayed enough, Lord, but if you just, if you just let me come in. No, 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 no. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace where you might obtain mercy. 
and find grace to help when you're in a time of need. Come boldly. Why? Because he's your father. And all that Jesus did, he did for you. Small groups are when we come boldly together. And we don't stop fighting until the battle's won. And if we lose, we lose together. If something doesn't turn out the way we, we all had trusted it to be and we don't have all the answers, we keep standing with each other. We keep supporting each other. Life is not simple. But small groups will take you places in God and in freedom that you will get in no other way. And so I want to encourage every one of you to step into it. And I want to pray for every person under the sound of my voice that you should lead a small group. Well, Lord, I will help you set people free. He won't. He won't. He won't. He'll use you. You're his body. He's the head. The head of the church is seated at the right hand of the Father. You're the body. And if you don't step, they won't be free. God, won't you say, well, I got, let me get my life together a little bit more. You're never going to get your life together that much. Feel like you're qualified to, for God to use you. You want to know why God can use you? Because you're his kid. When you belong to him, you're accepted in the beloved, the Bible says. Everyone say, I'm accepted by Christ. You know, that's the only, that word is only used one other time in the Bible. When the angel showed up to Mary and said, you are highly favored. Do you believe he loves you that much? What if, what if you got around people who helped persuade your heart to the truth about your life? So that you could come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Mercy is God's desire and willingness and ability to treat me better than I deserve. And obtain grace, divine power to help me in my time of need. I want to pray for those of you that are called to lead a small group. If you've been through freedom, I, I, I plead with you, lead a freedom group. There's so many things you can lead. There's so much. You can go on and get all the details you need at all the campuses. Please don't put this off. Please don't step out behind the great purposes of God for your life and live in a prison unnecessarily. Don't live in a prison with a $100 bill in your wallet. And just like my brother, I can't pay Jesus back either. I could have, but I didn't. Say, when are you going to pay him back? I told him, he's older than me. When you die, I'll put a check in your coffin. Think about that one. If you die before me, I'll put a $100 check in your coffin. In fact, I'm going to, I'll put a $1,000 check in your coffin. Just go ahead and cash it. I'm telling you, man, it's amazing the way you're called to live. I want to give every person the opportunity under the sound of my voice. I, I want to pray that you'll, you'll hear his voice. Father, I pray for those that really are called of heaven today to lead a small group in their home or right around where they live and invite people around and watch the God of all creation show up. The God who will never leave them, forsake them. The God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing, the one in whom we have redemption that's placed Satan under our feet, where we have been delivered from the powers of darkness. We've been raised together with Christ, seated with him in heavenly places freed by him healed by him raised up by him help us to be help us to be help us to be the people that bring freedom to a world by the grace of our God I thank you for that Lord that people will take that next step at all of the campuses with every head bowed and every eye closed continuing at all the campuses if today you drew your final breath on planet earth and passed away 
do you know where you'd spend eternity? Jesus said there really is a heaven to gain at death and a hell to shun. If you're like me, I, 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 that, I don't like even the thought of that. I don't even like the thought of it. But God so loved you and me that because there was no way to redeem you and restore you and pay your sin debt, God judged you guilty, he judged me guilty. Then he came and robed himself in a human body, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life and placed himself on a cross and all of the wrath of God that was due me for my sin and yours fell to him. God judged you guilty and then paid your penalty. And then he died in your place. And he was buried in your place. Executed in my place. Because a holy God cannot touch sin. And when he rose from the dead, he conquered death. And all an individual has to do is to believe with all that our heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on that cross to bear my sin debt. And that I open the door of my life and heart. And Jesus, I receive you now. He turns no one away. He'll make you brand new, a child of God. And you can walk with him in everyday life. None of that religious nonsense. I mean a relationship with God. Everyday life. Everyday life. Everyday life. Jesus meant to show up in everyday life. Not a religious just form or ritual. With every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our campuses. And if you're online, you can, you can respond in the, in, in the comment section. If you drew your final breath today, and you say, but pastor, I, I don't know that I've ever, ever invited Christ to be the Lord and the Savior of my life, or I'm not sure. Please don't put your faith in a church service or a sacrament of a church. No church or any sacrament can make you a Christian or right with God, including this one. Only by receiving the one who died for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our campuses, say, please pray for me. I want to receive Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Pray for me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, right where you're seated at all the campuses. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and then we'll pray a prayer out loud together with you, all of us together with you. Say, say please include me in that prayer. Would you simply raise your hand high where the campus pastors can see it? And we're going to pray for you in just a moment. Do it right now. Your eternity hangs in the balance. Do it right now. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands back down. If you raised your hand or you should have, pray this out loud where you hear it. It's the greatest day of your life on this earth. Pray it where you hear it. We're all going to pray it together with you. Say it where you hear it. Say, Heavenly Father. Say it where you hear it. Say, Heavenly Father. I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on a cross to bear my sin debt and burden. I open the door of my heart and my life. And Jesus, I invite you in. I receive you now to be my Savior and Lord. Thank you for coming. I am now a child of God. My sin debt is canceled. And when I die, I'm heaven bound because Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. Amen. Come on, give them a hand at all the campuses and celebrate. Come on. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com. 